Welcome to the Maths in Schools podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Alan Duggan, CEO of the Australian Association of Mathematics Teachers. In this series, we'll be exploring ideas and strategies for effectively teaching mathematics in schools. Today, we continue examining the seven key components of explicit teaching, and we'll be exploring teacher and student questioning that targets explicit concepts and processes today. I'm really delighted to have Associate Professor Helen Chick from the University of Tasmania join us today to explore this topic. Associate Professor Helen Chick began her career as a high school mathematics teacher before returning to university to complete her PhD in mathematics. While completing her studies, she also taught both maths and maths education at a tertiary level to a wide range of students, including engineers, science students and pre-service teachers. Helen was also an instrumental part of the work on explicit teaching found on the Maths Hub and contributed to the writing of those modules. Helen, welcome. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Thanks, Alan. It's good to be here. I think, Helen, questioning is one of the most challenging elements of our craft as teachers, something that is often really challenging to master and something that we often wrestle with as practitioners. Let's start with a really, really obvious question. Why is questioning important? I think the fundamental reason is, I mean, you want students to engage with content and it's this question of having students get involved with the actual thinking. And It's not just learning to do certain things, it's actually that building up that understanding and good questioning allows students to think about what the, the concepts are, how they relate to each other. Um, they start to see how mathematics works as a, as a reasoning discipline um, so that they can see that you know, we can justify or explain or uh, give reasons for how things work, why things work, what what actually makes sense. Um, another of the things that I think uh, is particularly important for teachers particularly um, is questions that can assess student understanding so that you, know, you can gauge either individual understanding or whole class understanding so that you can assess where the learning is actually taking place, whether your teaching is actually being uh, effective. Um, because those answers that are given to questions or to good questions uh, give you an indication of possible misconceptions, whether things are understood, where the students are making the connections that you want them to make, uh, and so on. So there's a, there are a lot of good reasons. I think it's it's fundamental to teaching. And I mean, if you want to be a bit cliched, you can sort of say, you know, you go back to Socrates and um, you know, that sort of Socratic method of, of asking questions um, and, and listening carefully to what the responses are. It's a two-way thing. It's, it's getting both people to think because the students are thinking about what you're asking them about and you're thinking about their responses and what that means for the ongoing teaching process and for their understanding. So I think in the last three minutes, you've just explored um, probably... 20 things that we ought to unpack in the next the next 20 <laughs> minutes or so. But but let me ask a question, maybe step back a little bit. I, I kind of started off by saying that questioning is something that as teachers we find sometimes challenging. Why do you think questioning is actually a really difficult part of our craft? This issue of crafting questions is, a, is an important one. And it highlights the fact that... Um, Perhaps there's a bit of a knack to it, which um, 
kind of can make it difficult to talk about and to encourage teachers to, to do effectively. It is certainly something that can be learned and practiced and critically planned for. So um, as part of thinking about a lesson, really identifying what are the key things that I want to have taught in this lesson or what do I want the students to learn in this lesson? And by focusing on those particular aspects that are critical and thinking about what questions can I ask that are going to get students to think about these critical things. And that requires work. It actually requires planning. So that crafting um, of questions is part of the planning process. Um, and it, it, it implies that there's, there's thought on the part of the teacher to do it, planning on the part of the teacher, um, and then perhaps an element of creativity in thinking, how do I construct something that is going to evoke deep thinking um, if, if you want really good questions? And, and, not, and there are good questions that are short, brief, uh, simple, straightforward, check-type questions or, or short answer or even yes-no questions, which can be quite effective as well. But um, really getting students to think, engage, express reasons in their responses Asking those sorts of questions requires a lot of planning and, and sometimes creativity. Um, so that, I think, highlights one of the key things that I think is critical. It's, you know, as part of my planning for a lesson, and even before getting down to the nitty-gritty of actually um, constructing the questions themselves, it's identifying, you know, what are those critical things that are going to be learned in the lessons? You know, what are the key ideas potential stumbling blocks, uh, possible misconceptions, key terminology. How can I help students to see that those things are important? And what questions can I ask that will help them put all of those pieces together, uh, make sense of this context, or sorry, concept, uh, and you know, learn the mathematics at the end of the day? I think one of the things that really intrigues me about questioning, and I've, I've found questioning something that through my time in the classroom, something that I spent a lot of time thinking about. And I know when we were working through creating the modules, we spent lots of time talking about questioning. And I think one of the things that's really evident in what you've just said there, but also evident in the work that we uh, did to craft the modules and then the research that we did through it is that um, questioning is an integral part of the learning process. And for our listeners, that might be a really obvious statement, but I think I just want to highlight and draw attention to that point that you made a few minutes ago about um, developing questions based on what it is we want our young people to learn. And actually, again, that seems like a really obvious question, eh, sorry, an obvious statement. Mm. But the reality is that sometimes um, our questions can be um, quite surface in terms of um you know, checking for understanding or, or, or being quite binary, who's with me, who's not type thing. But really, questioning is the next layer of that planning. Questioning is a really important part of our planning journey when it comes to um, assessing the learning and also developing the learning. Would, would you agree with that? I have a, a lesson plan assignment that I give to my pre-service teachers. And one of the components of that is to construct three questions that are uh, key to your lesson that actually focus on the critical content in the lesson and to think about why why are you asking this? What are you expecting the responses to be? What are you looking for in the responses? 
what things do you think students are going to have difficulty with in responding to that? You know, almost why does this matter? You know, why, why is why is it important to ask these kind of questions? Um, but really thinking about how do I ask these questions in such a way that, again, I will engage students with mathematics content that matters, um, you know, that, that's critical to their learning in this particular lesson. And um, I, I'd made a sort of note here to myself of things like points that I wanted to, to make today. And I, I said, you know, good questioning is not something that you can just wing or make up on the spur of the moment. And having said that, there are certainly moments where good teachers will make up good questions on the spur of the moment, inspired by something that's come up in the moment, as the saying goes. Um, but their capacity to do that is founded on the planning that they have done for that lesson, their identification of what are the key things for that lesson, um, and their own content knowledge and pedagogical content knowledge for realising, ah, what can I ask here or what can I say here that, again, is going to get students to think about what matters? What's the, what's the way that I can ask something that's going to get them to think deeply about whatever it is that they're noticing that's causing a problem or something unusual that they've noticed or some difficulty that they're having? How can I ask a good question that's going to help them do the thinking and them construct the learning that I, I want them to learn rather than just me telling them something that might end up with some superficial learning that might work for just now, but it's not going to work for them long term. So there's now a pen in my hand because I'm scribbling furiously notes of questions that I want to follow up and, and touch base with you on in a little bit. And one of them is around that statement about good questions are not um, off the top of your head or, or in the spur of the moment. And I do want to come back in that to that in a moment, but I want to focus in on that task that you spoke about that you give to your pre-service teachers and, and the, the focus in on questions. When I was in the classroom and, and a leader in schools, I used to talk about the pivot questions in a lesson um, and, and kind of get staff and, and um, practice students that were in our school to think about what are the, the kind of three or four, I refer to them as, as pivot questions in a lesson. And I think that's what you were alluding to um, a few minutes ago. Um, what do you think we should be thinking about when we are crafting these key questions or pivot questions for a lesson? Again, it's really about that identifying what's the key thing that I want to have learnt in this lesson, um, in, in, in my opinion. Um, so it's it's thinking about, so you might have got to say, for example, you've, you've had some students working on just some routine problems, but you get to the end of that set of problems and what you want them to do is to think about, well, you know, what have we just done here? We've, we've done a bunch of things, but what's actually the, the big picture, the generalisation, the, the key concept that we have actually achieved in this? You know, what, there was a process that we went through. What was the nature of that process? And asking questions like that that help students to step back and realise what it is that they have learned and be able to articulate it for themselves so that it's not just that I have learned how to do something, I have learned what it is that I am doing and what the general structure of that, that thing might be. Um, those pivot questions are actually about the pivot content, if you like, the, the critical bits that you need students to notice and to realise this is the significant thing. 
you know, it doesn't matter that X is equal to three. It matters that we went through a process that's a process that we can do in lots of different occasions. And there's properties to this process. And I can ask, as a teacher, I can ask a question that helps students to realize that that's what they've learned or, or, or that's what's going on here. Or I can ask things like, you know, what would happen if we changed this question to a slightly different question? And that helps them recognize similarities and differences. You know, it's these fundamental um, properties of, of, of mathematics. You know, mathematics a lot of the time is looking for what's the same and what's different between situations. You know, how do I get students to notice similarities and differences? What questions can I ask that helps them identify these things work in a certain way, these things don't work in a certain way. What are the examples of this? What are the non-examples of this? And so on. This um, concept that we're talking about, this component, I should say, seven components of explicit teaching, this one talks about teacher and student questioning that targets explicit concepts and processes. And as you were talking there, I was thinking about the element of planning questioning that thinks about processes and concepts, um, the how and the what, the how and the why, um, that whole idea of as, I, as I'm thinking about planning the questioning, um, it's about really thinking about how do I want my students to think about this? How do I want them to approach it? And then how do I want them to think about it afterwards? So in the learning, um, during the process, and then afterwards upon reflection, and what do they take away? And I think that's one of the reasons that questioning begins to become so challenging because it's so multidimensional in terms of what we're trying to achieve. And and I want to come back now to that that point that you made earlier about good questions are seldom made on the spur of a moment. Because I think one of the things that we spent a lot of time talking about as we were developing these modules and really pondering explicit teaching was the whole concept of anticipating anticipating how a student would respond, anticipating what they would be thinking, anticipating where this lesson might go wrong or where it might go just generally. Forget about the, the whole idea of it going wrong. Where might this lesson go? I want it to go here, but where might it end up going? Um, and I think one of the things that's really important in terms of those pivot questions, I call them the key questions, is actually thinking about the what and the how and the why but also beginning to anticipate, well, they, they might respond this way if I ask that question. Is that a question I want to use or where might it go? And I think anticipation is really important. Do you want to make a few comments about that? This question of um, think anticipation, any question that asks students to make meaning of something, for several reasons, um, those kind of questions are good because you can anticipate what uh, they might respond to that and hopefully an indication of correct understanding might come out of uh, a response to that kind of question. Um, or possible misconceptions might come out of that and you can often anticipate or perhaps the first time you run this lesson, you'll get some examples that feed into your teacher learning for the next time you run a lesson on the same topic and you'll have a better sense of anticipation. Now, for us as teachers, questioning and students' responses to our questions actually helps us learn more about student understanding, student knowledge, how students learn, etc. One of the questions I um, listed here which is a question I've used a lot, is to ask students, is zero an odd or an even number? And I can now tell you 
what type of responses I might get to that. And I almost have a little routine that I can conduct as a teacher based on the kind of responses that I get from students. But when I first asked that, I wasn't totally sure what answers I might get and how I might navigate that. Um, so sometimes when we do ask questions, um, it's, it's a risk-taking thing because we're not exactly sure what answers we're going to get and how we're going to have to respond. And um, our topic of, uh, we're not just talking about teacher questions, but student questions. You know, students are going to ask us questions and sometimes we're not going to anticipate what the students are going to ask us. Um, and, you know, we there is a lot of stuff that we actually do have to do on the spur of the moment and we have to respond. And sometimes that response to a student question might actually be to ask them another question. So there's almost an exchange of questions as you're trying again, trying to make meaning of something. Well, I'm I'm going to I'm going to take your example there, and I'm going to do exactly what you've just said, and I'm going to follow a little thread of interest that has just piqued my curiosity. And so we're going to go down a path that maybe we weren't actually planning to, but we we've just spoken and touched on um, student questioning, and I, I'm going to make a a plug for the next episode where we'll actually be looking at classroom dialogue focused on making mathematical ideas explicit. And the team that, that put this um, project together, we were really intentional in having dialogue as a separate component to questioning and, and for a whole host of reasons that hopefully will become clear as you work through the modules and you listen to these podcasts and, and look at the webinar work that we're going to do. But um, I want to focus in on that student questioning part because it, it was really intentional in the crafting of this component to say, teacher and student questioning that we're developing here. And we've spent the last 20 minutes or so discussing teacher questioning and something it's something that's really difficult. It's a, a part of our craft that we have to continually work on. We have to be thinking about it. How do we upskill our students to be really good questioners? And that's a, that's a question without notice, if you like, Helen. It's got a lot to do with... Um, the kind of classroom environment that you build over time. So it's not something that's going to happen instantly. Um, it's got to do with the kind of classroom culture that you cultivate as a teacher, that there is an expectation of meaning-making in the classroom, that mathematics is meaningful and that when it's not making sense that we can ask questions so that we can, and, and expect to have answers that are going to help us make sense and that when things get a little bit weird or contradictory which mathematics does do occasionally that we can talk about that and you know and and it's okay for students to ask about that so it's about setting up a culture in which um, there's a shared understanding that mathematics is to be made sense of and that we make sense of it by asking about the things that aren't making sense um, with an expectation that we can look at what we know and reason and justify and um, try to make meaning of it. And it might not be something that is able to be achieved instantly. It might be something that a teacher might have to go away and think about, or which the student might have to go away and think about. But there's this expectation that it's okay to ask questions, to make sense about something. One quote that sticks in my head over a number of years now is the whole idea of mathematics is not a walk down a clearly defined path. 
And we often talk in our classrooms about um, there not being a question that's too silly. You know, if, if you're thinking a question and you have a question, then the reality is that someone else in the room may well have it and, and it's worth bringing it to the fore and having a conversation. But I think it's really important that we hold that intention with this whole idea of mathematics is not a walk down this really well-defined path where the path has been cleared for us and the road ahead is really clear. And so therefore, um, it's okay for us as teachers not always to have the answers. I, I, I remember um, very clearly, like it was yesterday, the first time that a student um, in my class as a, as a new grad asked me a question that I didn't know the answer to. And I was I was the rabbit caught in the headlights, no idea how to respond. And, and you know, the, the experienced me X number of years on looks back and wished I had handled that differently. And, you know, I, I tried to fluff my way through it and give an answer. And then I went back in the next day and said, hey, actually, I didn't know the answer to that, but now I do. Let's talk about it. And I think that creating a culture, creating a safe environment, creating a learning environment where there's there's questions and that we're almost pushing into that dialogue yes. oh, space, yes. which is the next one. But there's there's questions that are asked and discussed and 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 wrestled with that sometimes carry over a number of days and and carry over a number of periods. And and I think that's one type of question that makes for a good question. And sometimes that comes from a student, from a student sometimes it comes from a teacher. Yes, absolutely. How do we yeah. use questions? There's obviously a really traditional kind of teacher poses a question, students put their hand up, and there's been lots of conversations around think time, around a, a no hands up classroom, um, a whole host of different approaches. If you could give us some advice or guidance on how, how do we use questions in our classroom? Look, I think there, there are lots of different strategies. And I think that, that point that you passed over about think time can't be emphasised enough. And I know it's been emphasised lots, but I think it's important to emphasise it again. Um, I, I think I heard someone at a conference recently uh, remind people to allow wait time and then add five seconds onto that. So this sense of allowing students time mm. to think. And look, the strategy of think, pair, share, for example, where you give students a chance to come up with their own decision, but then to discuss it with someone, a partner, and then to discuss it with a group. So you're getting that, and that's sort of leading into the next podcast, but on the, the idea of dialogue. Um, but again, this sense that we can answer by reasoning. You know, we, you know, the teacher is expecting us to come up with an answer here, but it's not going to be an easy answer because we're having to think about it. We're having to discuss it. We're having to resolve the differences that we might have in our answers and come up with some sort of consensus that's justified. So it's having classroom structures for those deep questions that allow students the time and the chance to have their voice heard, to have their have this expectation of reasons being accompanying their answers um, and that they're expected to also listen to other people's answers and reasons and make sense and make a decision between different answers. One of my, um, perhaps it's a gimmick, perhaps it's not, um, is that where there's something uh, that might be a bit ambiguous or where there might be two right answers or even two wrong answers that might be possible is to pose a question, ask for the options as the answers, and then vote. So we have a class vote, and it's sufficiently ambiguous. We, we don't yet know enough, for example, 
for um, us to be able to say, yes, you're obviously right and yes, you're obviously wrong. So there's no, and again, it depends on the classroom culture that you've established. So there's no um, penalty or risk, if you like, to vote with one side or the other side or whatever, whatever the options are. But then to think about what are these options and then you follow up that vote for the, quest, the options of the question um, with a discussion about how do we decide which of these options might be the best and, and asking for individuals who voted in one camp or the other camp to give their reasons and knowing your students well enough to know who to ask um, and when to ask and in what order to ask for um, different answers to our questions. Um, one of the things I... I want to just sort of add just a couple of um, stock standard styles of questions that I, I like, um, which I know is getting a little bit off what you asked me, but I, I did want to just include this. Um, one of my stock standard questions, which is um, you're having these, obviously when you're planning for a lesson, you've got specific questions associated with that lesson, but there's a, a repertoire of questions that you, you can pull out at any time. So asking, how do you know? So if you're giving me an answer, how do you know? So that's, you know, there's a standard question that you can always ask that's a deep question that's going to get students to think and justify and focus on what the meaning is there. Another one is what would happen if? So that asking, if I change this two to a three, if I change this X to a Y, if I change, uh, if I reflect something, if whatever, you know, what would happen if? Now, obviously, you would ask that question, again, knowing what the point of the lesson is. So in asking what would happen if it would be to advance the realisation of what the point of the lesson is, That's, that would be your reason for asking it. Um, asking students for an example of something and then for another example and for another example. So can you give me an example of such and such and another example and another example? And then asking for non-examples. So helping... You know, questions that help students to generalise a mathematical principle and looking for lots of examples and for non-examples helps students to generalise what's what's going on. There's a couple of things that you've you've just got me pondering here. Um, one of the things is I think those stock good questions that you made reference to, you've got me wanting to go away and kind of write down my 10 stock mm -hmm high impact questions if you like because I think that's a really good strategy right that that whole idea of we spoke about the the key pivot questions earlier on in this episode um and how they're really important walking into a lesson in the planning phase but I think having a bank of five ten um really key but good questions mm. that are my go-to questions um that mm. extrapolate stuff for want of a better word, out of students is really good. And I think, that you know, I'm challenged. I think after this episode, I'm going to see if I can write down my 10 um, mm. go-to questions. That's what I'm going to call them. So I'm going to challenge the listeners to do the same. Go away from this episode and write down your 10 go-to questions that you're going to try and incorporate into your practice. But that are, that are, that are deep, that give the students the opportunity to, to think, to express reasoning, to make sense of something. And, and those types of questions, I think you made a really great point. Those types of questions are not just an explain yourself type question, which is often where we go when we think higher order, deeper questions. It's about justifying or explaining what you think. But it's also a really good way to think about it is what if 
what if I changed this? What if I did this? What if this hadn't happened? I think they create a space to just solidify thinking. Um, but what they also do is they pull out misconceptions and, and they begin to help the teacher get some feedback instantly about what misconceptions are. So the, the, the purpose of those go-to questions as you're crafting your, your own 10 is not just about you getting stuff for want of a better word, out of students and assessing their understanding, assessing their process, um, their con conceptual understanding, but also getting some feedback on your own teaching. I, I was just going to add, um, I, I think one of the things that's important about this whole process is having students articulate things outside of their own head. So it's one thing to have something appear to make sense in the synapses of your mind, if you like, in some sort of blurry, fuzzy, foggy brain mush mess. Um, but it's another thing to actually organize those thoughts enough to be able to say words and then to actually hear those words from outside of yourself um, as a learner. One of my, some of my best learning experiences have come from me actually articulating the things that are in my head because it allows me to order, structure, make sense of what's kind of in there and it's kind of making sense but by putting that into words, I've actually solidified that learning. And I think students' responses to questions allow that to take place. It allows them to take some things outside of their head. It gets outside of them. It gets vocalised in such a way that they get to hear it, the class gets to hear it, they get some feedback on it. And that process of Turning what they know in their mind into an articulation of it is, I think, an important step in the learning process as well. One of the things that often challenges me in the questioning space in classrooms is how do you avoid just having the regular handful of students answering and engaging? How do you make the, the process that happens leading up to answering questions um, inclusive of everyone and, and promote that whole classroom thinking. And I think for me, there's a couple of things that that spring to mind, that whole idea of um, the, the classroom culture that you create, that we spoke about earlier, that whole idea of it's a learning classroom, it's not a right classroom. This classroom is not about being right, it's about learning and, and, and you know, and, and articulating what you're thinking. But the other thing is high stakes questions need to be used really intentionally and really carefully. And so, you know, even those go-to um, questions that we were talking about earlier, um, how do you know, or what if we change that? Sometimes picking a different student to answer that question from the question from the student who gave the answer sometimes breaks down some barriers because you're not putting someone on the spot to justify their selves mm -hmm. or to justify them what's going on but you're asking someone else well how do you think that Helen knows that or what what do you think you know and I'm beginning to build that culture of and we're, we're pushing into that dialogue space and that's a good thing but it's it's building that culture of collaboration through questioning as well right mm, oh, absolutely and again it's this expectation it's establishing an expectation that it's about our class making sense of this stuff it's about everybody in this class getting to understand this um, and how do we help each other make sense of these ideas. So Helen, I've got one last question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to give you three sentences, 30 seconds to wrap up the takeaway message from 
this podcast. So we've been looking at teacher and student questioning that targets explicit concepts and processes. If you could give us the TLDR, the too long, don't read, take away from <laughs> this, digest condensed version. What, what would it be? The thing number one is make sure you know exactly what it is that you want students to have learned from the lesson. Think about then how can I get them to really think about those things and what are the questions that I can ask that are going to make them think about the, the really nitty-gritty critical pivot points, as you've called them? How do I help students to see those points and think deeply about what those points are? And my questions to them can help them do that, which is not three sentences. Sorry, I've failed counting as well. That, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I, I think you, you gave us some good takeaways. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap us up with, with one challenge to the listener. I'm going to challenge you to go away and, and write down your your 10 go-to high-value questions that you're going to try and um, incorporate into your practice over the coming weeks and months. And I'd love for you to to reach out and share them with myself or with Helen or with both of us and, and really think deeply about what those are. So in wrapping up, I just want to express our thanks to Associate Professor Helen Chick from University of Tasmania. Helen, thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight and your wisdom today. Um, I'm sure there's lots of gold in there that, that people will use. So until next time, um, thanks for listening and we'll, we'll chat about dialogue in the next episode. You can explore more about this topic, find explicit teaching in maths professional learning modules and other great maths resources to use in your school at the Mathematics Hub, mathshub.edu.au.